0: Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to drag a trash can inside and light it on fire.
1: Yeah. And that would work too, but clothes. you might you might develop a smell problem. The trash can would smell bad. Well, I'd be burning like nice things, nice smelling things. Oh, like sage and potpourri. Yeah, yeah it's very boho. Yeah, I can yeah. dig it. Going to have a lot of fun.
0: Going to hit a home run.
1: In the littlest possible, in the littlest league possible, gonna make a big splash. <coughs> You're sick. No. Yeah. <laughs> Gatorade's not sick. gonna help. What you need you it is a good old-fashioned hour and hour.
0: Broth. <clears throat> a bone broth.
1: No bone broth. It's made of Can animals.
0: Oh, right. Well, what's the vegan alternative to bone broth?
1: Vegetable broth. It's made of. Smart. Vegetable. vegetable bones. <laughs> yeah. No. If you made it I out of like roots and stems, I think that would be vegetable bones. Hmm. But it's mostly made out of so- celery, and carrots, and onions.
0: That's bones. Those are. And listen. Those if are the you bones t- of vegetables. If you told me to a, make a skeleton out of vegetables, I would use those three vegetables
1: i would not i would use turnips
0: parsnips maybe
1: parsnips root vegetables roots and stems like i said
0: parsnips are just like dead carrots though they're just like sad Mm -hmm. cold carrots
1: yeah and maybe carrots work but parsnips are better yeah celery works wonderfully hmm yeah you know maybe you're right they're all crunchy for one thing
0: yeah yeah, I love a crunch. Some people say that celery is spicy. To me, that's outrageous. Eh, it has a little bit of a bite. Uh, <laughs> you're in a stunned silence.
1: I've, I've heard this argument before or read it on Twitter. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I can't even tell when spicy things are spicy, so who am I to say? You're so inoculated to it. I, yeah, every <clears throat> time someone, I'm at a meal and someone's like, oh, this is spicy, I have to pause and be like, let me see, like, I'm currently chewing it, and I say, let's, hmm, okay, wait, wait, wait. I can taste the spiciness. Uh, let's just start the episode. All right.
0: <clears throat> uh, really, there's no good way to do this. Um, <laughs> welcome back to Tater Tots. Hi, welcome um, to Tater Tots. It's week f- four. Yep. Yep. Uh of, of a Tater Tots week. Um and I'm Tim. I'm Duncan. And we're going to uh uh we're talking t- we're talking Tots today. Talking Tots 2018, 2018, the beautiful year.
1: We're all excited uh, for the end of the beautiful lot, 20- year 2018. Thanks a lot 2018.
0: You remember when people do that? Do do people do that so much this year or is that more of like a 2016 thing?
1: They thank the year? The oh, innovative. you mean they're mean to the year? Yeah. People are mean to the year every year. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. At the end of the year, every year, as long as I can remember, since I was like, you know, four at the end of the year. um, What's his face? Ryan Seacrest goes on TV at the end and he goes, it's been a tough year, but at least we're through with it. Everyone's excited for 2003.
0: (laughs) Uh, 2003 was actually, I don't know. Listen, you're mad because you don't like the personification of time.
1: I'm mad because people have a bad attitude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, that, that, I think you're right on two counts. Like, yes, I don't like people blaming the year for their problems. Uh. And two, I think people have a skewed perspective where they look back on every year and they think, boy, that was bad. But it's like every year. Do you think we'll ever have a good year? No. I mean, yes. <laughs> every year is a good year. I, every year is neutral. Large, no, no, no. I take it back. Like, every year to this point, largely, has been better
0: than the previous year, right? Yeah. I mean, I more or less agree with you. We're, it's not a great time to be alive right now, but it's certainly better than... Any other you know. time to be alive. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I, f- I find particularly frustrating about this year is that people are, like, trying to wax, like, philosophical about... You know, there, so there will be people who will say, like, I can't believe, like... Uh, uh, Tide Pods happened this year Like Black Panther came out this year And all this stuff And then there are other people who jump on Those like online hot takes And they say Oh it's because of the internet And we're made to consume things so fast And like there's a new thing Every week and blah 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 Like we're lowering attention span and That's not true I mean Black Panther felt like it happened A long time ago because it did happen a long time ago Yeah it was in like month- March Ten months ago That's a yeah. long time yeah tr- that's true. like that's just that, that's just flat out oh it's not like 10 months was like oh i remember like february of t- 2002 like it was yesterday in december of 2002 give me a break give me a give me hey give me a break
1: all right you can have
0: a break we'll meet back in 10 will you please just break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar
1: i'd love to great thank you um let's do our podcast now Hold on, I want to talk about 2019 again. Okay. 2019. Now that's gonna be a good year. That's Do you think all so? I have to say. No. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, it'll probably be fine. No. I. Well. All the all the standard horror or horror and and terrible things that have been happening in 2018 will probably not abate just because it becomes 2019. They'll
1: continue to happen.
0: Yeah, and that's not anybody's fault but the people who are responsible for the things that happen.
1: Yeah, and for sure I'm not going to blame the year when they do happen.
0: I, I guess not. I, hmm. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's a ridiculous uh, non sequitur when people are like, this is the abstract concept of 2018 t- trips around the sun's fault. Um, do you want to talk about... Uh, All of our horrible mistakes that we made last week?
1: Um, Yes, I do. So, it's come to our attention that... (laughs) This is really embarrassing. It really is. This is a travesty. We recorded an episode on Two Tots. This was a first for us. Uh, You may have heard of the episode. It came out last week. Yeah, it was called Episode 3. Big hit. Uh, It got uh, 23 (laughs) lessons. Um, Oh. Zui Lin and Sam Travis... Two players on the Red Sox hit their first major league home runs in one game, and somehow, in all our research, we missed the fact that they were roommates in the minor leagues. To be fair, we did have the link to the article. Mm-hmm. I put
0: it in the show notes, uh, but I neglected to read it very closely. I did Need not to-
1: read the article at all.
0: Well, and and now we're like outing ourselves on episode four as being ill prepared for episode three.
1: Yeah. Are you pre- uh, yeah. I am. I feel more prepared for this one. I did a more thorough combing of the Roselle Herrera links just to make sure I didn't miss anything <laughs> vital. Oh I, I, I skimmed.
0: Uh, so, I mean, I, I sort of have... Well, we'll get into it when we get into it. Um, that So, right, they were roommates, which is, uh, as we all know, the famous Vine. They were roommates. Do you know that Vine?
1: Yeah, I saw it uh, not but a month ago, but I do know the Vine. Okay, I don't personally. I don't think Divine itself is very funny.
0: I I think it's funny, in this context. Yeah,
1: kind of right. No, it works
0: perfectly. High, highly contextual. And they were roommates. Um, we had a bit of a controversy. I here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, we we've been pretty stable at eleven Twitter followers since we made uh, people aware that we had a Twitter account. Sure, I'm so,
1: comfortable with that number.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, But when I say controversy, what I mean is is pretty much among ourselves, like between each other. The controversy is uh, regarding accelerated podcast listening.
1: Right. I enjoy having a fight via the Tater Tots Twitter. Just between Um, the two of us? (laughs) Yes. I, I enjoy thinking about it from the outside perspective because nobody really is sure who's who. Yeah. I also think that the two of us have... Very distinct voices on the Tater Tots account, but neither of those voices are the same as our personal Twitter voices. That's interesting. I hadn't really noticed that. Um, for me, at least, I when I'm tweeting as the Tater Tot, I kind of put myself in the character of, of the potato. Of a potato. Yeah, I saw
0: that tweet. I, I thought that was really funny.
1: About the king I, of baseball. Well,
0: that we'll, hang on, because we'll carry that into the next conversation. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but uh, the controversy... I I don't, okay, I I don't believe that you do actually listen to your podcasts at two times speed,
1: do you? I listen to some podcasts at not usually two times speed, but at accelerated speed.
0: Yeah, and it came up once right when we started. I think you were just like making a joke. And then uh, the horrifying thing, and the reason that for some reason this is on, the reason that it's on the show notes uh, is because uh, Rishikesh Huraway who's a podcaster of note and a personal podcasting hero of mine, um, tweeted out an email that he got from a listener who listened to his podcast Song Exploder at, like, one and a half speed and requested a special one and a half speed version so that he could, like, make out what the song was that was being played on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Which, Uh, just listen
0: to the podcast at regular speed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I'll—my philosophy on this is as follows— please. There are a lot of podcasts, right? Yes. A lot of podcasts that I feel obligated to listen to and a lot of podcasts that I want to listen to. And there are generally more podcasts that I want to listen to than I have time to listen to podcasts.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, and we can be on board with that. I also acknowledge that listening to podcasts at an accelerated speed is a worst way to take those in. Sure. Um, so my my philosophy on it is... Some podcasts are much better produced than others, Um, and additionally, some podcasts are funnier than others. Mm -hmm. So, I won't listen to Reply All on Accelerated Speed, and I wouldn't listen to, like, Comedy Bang Bang on Accelerated Speed, but if the podcast is like ours, it's just two people talking to each other, um, then I think that the marginal value you're missing from Accelerating the Speed is, uh, much smaller than that same value you'd be missing if you do it from a well-produced podcast. Song Exploiter is, like, the ultimate edge of that. To listen to that podcast at accelerated speed is indeed a crime, as you say. It's a complete mistake.
0: Like, it, it really, like, for this very, like, particular podcast where it's, like, you need to be hearing the individual components of a song, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Um, I think your philosophy is very holistic and good and well thought out. Um, here's what I think. I don't completely buy, and this is this is completely personal to me, because you know I believe that there are people. I believe that you have more podcasts that you would like to listen to than you do have time to listen to podcasts. Right? Uh, for me, I. Will always make time for something if it is really if I really feel that it, it's worth my time, right? So I'll like, I have a bunch of podcasts that I've downloaded because I kind of vaguely thought, oh, this is interesting. Maybe I'll be interested in this in the future. Uh, and then two weeks goes by and I haven't listened to it. And then I'm like, why did I ever think that I would be interested in this? And I just throw it out. Um, but if there is a podcast that I'm not subscribed to that like comes across my, uh, you know awareness, and I say, oh, gotta listen to that, gonna listen to it, then I will download it and listen to it at my first opportunity, right? So, like, I I don't, I guess in that way, it's it's a little bit more discerning, um, because I, all I'm saying is that, like, if I really want to listen to something, I will make time for it, and I don't feel the need to, like, I don't ever feel the need to, like, cram anything into uh, less time than I actually have.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're more discerning about your podcast listening than I am In a way, I guess I, I There are a lot of things that I do enjoy to listen to But if I was being totally honest with myself I would realize that if I got rid of them, I could find another podcast that I enjoy even more But sure. I'm unwilling to stop listening to out of a sense of obligation and momentum
0: Um the potato will be the king of baseball In 2018 Yeah. Uh, uh, I think we should talk about the winner meetings Just kind of broadly
1: Yeah then- I wanted to talk about the winner meet Well the rule 5 draft I think is the most important Part of the winner meetings for our purposes I don't know if any Tater tots yeah, I- are going to get selected But it seems likely to me
0: Yeah I mean probably there's a bunch of guys that are like On the outside edge of of Baseball to where they could still Feasibly be shuffling around Uh I haven't been so plugged into it this year because I think the Pirates got all their protection uh, out of the way pretty early. Right. Um, and at this point, they're just like on the hunt for shortstops and lefty relievers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there anybody good who's who who could go?
1: Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Winter meetings uh, this week, I think they start uh, today or tomorrow in Las Vegas. They start, Vegas, and they start tomorrow in...
0: They start tomorrow and they go till Thursday.
1: Yeah. Um
0: so there's there's and there's already been like plenty of action. Patrick Corbin went. Um uh, the Mariners you know, made all their big trades. The Mariners are going crazy. Uh, uh Goldschmidt went to St. Louis to yep. everyone's chagrin. Yeah. My
1: um, chagrin
0: particularly. What? Not your chagrin particularly. I don't I don't love chagrin. the
1: Cardinals. In fact, I hate them, but Paul Goldschmidt not being in the NL West uh good. I say good. Now he's in the NL Central, which is not good. Not as not ideal. No, AL Central. Uh, that would be my choice. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean,
0: it won't happen for a while, at least, unless like the Cardinals really tank it, and I don't know, maybe they'll go to Cleveland or something.
1: I can easily see that happening. Not me. I
0: don't think the Cardinals will tank it this year.
1: Yeah, but like, what if they're? What if the Brewers and the Cubs are just both great? Uh, then then by July. Like card, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> too many uh a lot, let me rephrase there are a lot of playoff spots in baseball i wish that everyone would get a playoff spot okay expand on that
0: uh i think that it would make baseball a lot more interesting for a lot longer
1: mm. wait 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 are you referring to this idea from the sam miller piece
0: uh, yeah, I think I am, but sort of, like, obliquely, and it's just something that's, like, been residually kicking around in my head, so yeah. I don't really remember what going on. No, Sam it was Miller's. a very
1: cool idea. He proposed that all 30 teams get a playoff spot based on their record, and then, yeah. like, if you're the 30th team, you have to beat, win against, like, 15 other teams, or 14 other teams, like, a series against yeah. all of them.
0: Um, when I started learning about, like, English Premier League soccer, right. and, like, generally, like uh, 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 like, you know, European football in general. Um, I think I was learning about it because there was all the controversy surrounding like the college football playoff and, and that kind of got floated as an alternate where it was just like so many playoffs and just so long and kind of grueling. But that seems so appealing to me and has seemed appealing to me since I learned about it. Just the way that like playoffs and like certain tournaments are like always built into their schedule with like the FA cup and like, it seems like this games tend to matter a lot more Yeah, um, for a lot longer in that sport, and I have long desired for anything else like that. And the closest you get is, like, March Madness in basketball, and even that is, like, not that crazy. It's, like, five games in a row or something like that. Not even, you know, whatever. Five games in March.
1: Do um, they do something in, in, in U.S. soccer where they have a lot of tournaments going? No. Okay, so no, it's, it, it's it, only I, in England. I, as
0: far as well not just in England it's, it's all of Europe you know uh-huh. they have like the, the what do you call it um,
1: Champions League Europa?
0: Europa Champions League is something I Yeah, there's know. there's just like always something going on that just like puts all these teams from all these different leagues up against each other and I I just crave that for some reason like way more than I crave you know the, what is pretty standard at this point of just like a wild card and then a quarter final semi final final i don't know i i'm i really just crave anything different from any sport at this point um
1: you've grown you've grown complacent and bored by sports
0: i would just really love somebody to do something just for the sake of trying it um and there aren't really very many like obviously none of the major sports leagues are going to do that because it might like mess up their money Mm -hmm. um but that's why like you know there's like all this action around like new and alternate like football leagues and that's really exciting to me because there's just like so much potential for experimentation uh you know baseball doesn't really seem like it's gonna do anything and the nba is doing great uh so there there's probably not much incentive for like alternates there um
1: maybe an alternate hockey league
0: i kind of doubt that too i don't i don't think that there's a market for it
1: you think only Um, football
0: I, I, I don't know why it's... Ha- well, I kind of know why it's happening at this moment. Uh, I think it's a fascinating moment for sports in general that there are, like, three like budding alternate professional football leagues right
1: now. And I think well. that's, like... What? So, uh, <laughs> what what odds do you put that all of them play even one professional game?
0: All of them? I mean, the, uh, the AAF, the American Alliance of Football, is going to start the next year 2019 their their first games begin like the week after the super bowl or something like that
1: they play through the summer
0: i guess i don't know i don't know how many games they're gonna play there's only like eight teams interesting Um, i don't even care to see any of them like catch on necessarily but i think that like you know in the 60s and 70s the aba was sort of like a challenging and competing uh marketplace of ideas with the NBA, and a lot of good came of that. Like, you know, a bunch of, like, setting aside just, like, beloved franchises, like the Spurs, and I think the Nuggets came out of there, but also, like, the three-pointer was invented by the ABA. Mm. (laughs) Like, basketball was a completely different game before the ABA, like, pulled some popularity from it, and, and you know, it's been growing ever since, and football, I think, is in a really sort of volatile position or, like, maybe just, like, malleable, very changeable position. And it's it's interesting to see, like, a bunch of different, like, competing ideas of what makes football good, especially not so much the XFL, because I think that Vince McMahon is terrible.
1: Right. Um, they're going in a direction I wouldn't agree with, so I'm glad there's another alternative that's going more towards the... Uh... There are two. There's two. Wait, 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 wait. So there are three alternatives to NFL now?
0: Yeah, so the AAF um, sort of... Uh, so yeah, they're the closest to being able to put the product out, um, and it's founded by former NFL executives, yeah. and uh, they're rethinking how the players engage with it and like the players' involvement um, with the league and everything. Um, but recently, was announced uh, the FFL, the Freedom Football League, um, which is like even more. Hands-on for players. I think it was actually like it's founded by former players. Like, there's this is the one that you tweeted about, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, I think that there's very little information about it right now, as far as I know. Um, but the idea that, like, that the people who have actually played the game and recognize what works about it, and especially at like a time like this, what doesn't work about it. And it's very appealing to me, uh, and I think I think that it can only change for the better.
1: I was impressed by how much information there already was on the FFL. They already have teams chosen. Teams and names.
0: Yeah. I didn't I didn't read much about it. I, I sort of skimmed it and got the idea that that they were combating
1: um, the NFL's kind of uh, authoritarianism. Authoritarianism. Their yeah. fascist streak. Right. Yeah. One of their teams is called the Portland Progress. Now, how do you feel about that? It's a little on the nose for me. It's a little on the nose, but I've kind of enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that they're, you know, you got to I mean, shoot your shot. into it.
1: All right, so um, we talked about accelerated speed. We talked we about... Need
0: to, we talked, a, we touched on the rule five and then we got uh, horribly driven off track. The reason that we want to talk about winter meetings is not because of the hot stove. It's not because of any of the, the, the intrigue surrounding the 2019 baseball season. It is specifically about the king of baseball. Um, yeah, and it's 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 i think especially important to this podcast that we begin to understand and appreciate the king of baseball for everything that it is and for everything that it isn't <laughs> because you, i don't remember exactly what you texted me but you said something on like thursday or friday you said something to the effect of i've been reading about the winter meetings and i found this picture yeah and you sent me that text message at a time when i was you know how sometimes you'll be like in between wi-fi and not in wi-fi right like sort of in range but not in range enough to actually do anything right
1: you mean to say your text messed up you couldn't you could the image didn't load the
0: image didn't load because it was like caught in like a downloading thing and it just right. didn't come and i was like you need to send it again right and then you send it again <laughs> and it was a picture of lee landers the 2017 king of baseball <coughs> who is uh just the most boring looking like geriatric old man wearing like a very jaunty cape and crown but he's just like (laughs) so so clump. You look you look so serious. (laughs) I know I died. (laughs) And the thing is like when you set it up, like because the thing is that you you know this happened in a very particular way where you set up the picture but I didn't get to see it immediately. Right. So I built the
1: anticipation.
0: I had enough time to sort of do a little bit of imagining <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and in that space of time i think the only thing that i could do was to imagine what it possibly like what it couldn't possibly be right, right? like it wasn't going to be so weird because the winter meetings are <laughs> at the end of it they're just like a, industry, they're a business conference right it's an industry conference it's not any more interesting than any other business conference it's not you know like the world's fair or anything uh And so, like, you know, it wasn't going to be Mark McGuire riding on a unicycle, juggling flaming torches or anything like that. And so I didn't know what I expected, but I certainly didn't (laughs) expect
1: that kind of sad looking man. He Uh, looks like the real for real king of baseball. (laughs) Yeah, like that was what I really liked about the picture. I was I I stumbled upon this because I just Googled winter meetings and then I saw the like the official minor league baseball page advertising it. And it's just like any conference, right? It's like here yeah. are the sessions that we're going to have. Here's some pictures from 2017. And one of the pictures was of this <laughs> this very dour serious man wearing a very a very nice crown and a velvet cape and he looks like he takes his responsibility <laughs> of the king of baseball so seriously. So seriously. He's sitting on his crown on his throne of bats. And, like, he's ordering directives from on high Yep (laughs) And the fact that he's an older white man Like, is so appropriate Of course he's the king of baseball Who else would the king of baseball be?
0: Yeah, and you know what the other thing about, like, the king of baseball as a concept is? Like, just the words king of baseball don't really make any connection (laughs) to anything Like, it doesn't immediately Like, the king of baseball, in my mind (laughs) Separating it from all its context Doesn't necessarily have to be, like uh, you know sanctioned by the MLB it just has to be like some like corn fed dude like wandering the wilderness and he's like planting baseball trees everywhere he goes Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just so it's just like it's, an, it's a nice award that's given to a minor league executive who tends to be like a veteran who's been around for a while and who has influenced minor leagues in like a positive way and yeah. that's a really, that's a really considerate, it's nice, it's a nice way to, like, honor the people that come before you, and it's a nice way to, like, show love, right, to, to people who
1: It's have just a baseball around. award. Every conference yeah. gives award for, like, long-time attendees or people <laughs> right. who have a big influence on the industry. The only yeah, difference is that <laughs> they have a cape and a crown <laughs> and a video projection that's 20 feet tall behind them. <laughs> And they get up there and they have to issue proclamations and forgive people and deal with yeah. people's complaints, make people kiss
0: their rings. <laughs> this is my thing. Is that like in it? It seems almost impossible to me that this award is not just called, you know, whatever the like Joe Smith uh, Memorial, right? Exactly. Executive of Every the year other award. baseball
1: award. <laughs> It's just it's, named after someone. It's boring. You get a little trophy. This is like it's profoundly unbaseball-like because baseball is very staid and boring. It's and so but, whimsical. But but the components to it: Lee Landers looking as much like a baseball executive as he does, yeah. just kind of sadly wearing this incredibly fancy crown. <laughs> <laughs> the juxtaposition is is perfect. Did you Tim look is, at did you look Tim at all? like he's pumping his fists in the air in, in
0: satisfaction? It's so fun. Did you look at any of the other pictures of any of the other past kings of baseball? No, I didn't. So I, I did some Googling around because I wanted to be sure that this was a real thing and not just like an eccentricity that Lee Landers brought to the prize. <laughs> <which> yeah. <laughs> In a way, that would have been even more exciting. Right. But in fact, like, the crown and the cape are bestowed every year to a different executive. And, and, what you didn't see in the picture of Lee Landers is that there's also a, a scepter. Oh my god, there is! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a baseball <laughs> bat with, like, a baseball on top of it. It's not, like, a very, you know, ornate scepter. It's just, like, kind of normal, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's just something else. It's very get, nice. Does he get to keep the accoutrement until until this winter meeting it's a traveling award no you know what i would you have to get to keep the crown and the cape right like i unless you get something else like a nice plaque or a little trophy or something like that like they that seems to be the like the the dressings of the award that if i were the king of baseball i would say this is mine till i die and you can you can literally pry this from my cold dead hands.
1: I certainly hope so, because I don't want them to take this away from Lee Landers this year and give it to someone else. They already gave it to somebody else. I, I know, they've already is. announced the winner. So Lee he's Landers the, has to give it he's up. He's like
0: the president of the uh the potucket.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I was uh, I was hopeful that it would go to the potato. Mike Tamborough. Well the potato will certainly be the king of baseball in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen uh, king of baseball.
0: We're we're starting the campaign now,
1: right? And that's what we have: over Lee Landers and Sam Patillo, Mike, or whatever you said his name was. Is that Mike Tamburo? It is our only objective to crown the potato the king of baseball. Completely. Uh, yeah. In fact, we're, that's the the new objective of this podcast. Rather than talking about players, we're only going to campaign actively. We're going to spend the entire duration of the podcast just berating people into giving the award to <laughs> the potato.
0: We need to start building a platform.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, you we think we is. need more than 23 listeners?
0: Uh, yeah, but I, I also meant like a policy platform. We need we need, um Oh, a platform reforms. for the potato. Yeah. That's something that will work We don't have to have come up with that right now. It's something that we'll work on. All right, I'm thinking about it. Okay. Uh, we need to move on to the tot stove because there's a big one. Uh, there's not much because we uh, it's a short record week for us because we're moving around a record schedule. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, this is a big this is a big tot stove move um and it's it's jet bandy who uh, is the owner of one of the great current baseball names yeah um who was a Milwaukee Brewer last season and who signed a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers uh personally I think that name is even more at home in Texas
1: is jet bandy where's he from yeah um he's from l a that's
0: normal. I don't know, but I like you know. It's 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 less even Jet than it is Bandy. Bandy, I think, is a very Texas name.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I think you're right about it being very Texas, or at least I'm very Jet. Southern. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Jet. Um, my name is Jet. It's like my brick or J- something. Like a lot of Southerners yeah. have weird first names. Weird noun,
0: one syllable nouns for first names. Yeah. Hi,
1: I'm Hurt.
0: <laughs> Hi, my name's Goose. You know, yeah, like yeah, that. I
1: don't know those are all correct. And Jet um, Bandy, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into
0: it on his episode. We need to dive into Jet Bandy because I think he's an interesting character. But we will do it. His episode's uh, fast approaching, um, and he's
1: going to join our other friend Jeff Mathis on the Rangers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a good. Uh,
0: actually, I don't know about Jet Bandy, but
1: what is it? A good? He's like,
0: like, he's like a capable backup catcher.
1: Is Bandy? Yeah. They're certainly gonna have a lot of catchers in the roster.
0: We haven't done our research yet. We'll we'll have it ready for for the episode.
1: Yeah, ignore anything
0: that we say about baseball. Do we wanna jump into uh the reason for the season? Jesus?
1: <laughs> no, what I meant was the reason for the <laughs> I meant Rizal Herrera. Oh. Good old Rosie. Yeah, let's talk about him.
0: Um, so here's the thing. I didn't—I I don't think there's too much to know about Rizal Herrera. Um, and, and we sort of touched on this last week, that kind of the reason that there isn't too much to know, as, as like, is my best guess about Rizal Herrera, is because uh, the circumstance for players coming from the Dominican Republic is a lot different uh, than the circumstance of players coming from the United States particularly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can find, like, a lot of very charming little anecdotes about uh, players who grew up together or players who did this or that. Like, um, but the fact of the matter is that, like, when players come out of the DR, it's because they were bred from a baseball machine yeah. Uh, yeah. and financed, financed by people who are, like, you know, everybody wants a piece of that, you know, colonialist <laughs> money. Uh, yeah, and for sure. and it was hard to find a lot of backstory in Russell Herrera. I suspect that's the reason why.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean that's you know it's it's the, the the story for any of these Dominican players is largely the same. It's that as soon as it was discovered that they were any good at baseball, um, they got they got stuck in these um, these training camps and lived their entire life only training to be a professional baseball player so from the time they're like 10 um their entire life is baseball and even before that like Mm -hmm. they're training for it so i I think that's i think that's one component of the issue that you have in really getting a thorough picture of a dominican player um the other thing is that of course there's a problem with the coverage of baseball that even though um, uh, an enormous number of the players are Latino not a lot of writers speak Spanish so the stories about the um, the American players get uh, a yeah, lot absolutely. more coverage and they go into a Priority. lot more depth yeah cause yeah
0: yeah, uh, and that, that so in order to sort of inform this conversation we watched uh, Pelotero which was a documentary that came out I think in like 20
1: 10 or 11 I think 20 2012 um it doesn't look yeah, it yeah it, it, it's it's a little bit antiquated at this point but I think 20 2012 yeah
0: yeah um and that was my big takeaway was just like uh the emphasis that's like put on youth uh right. in, in this the sort of like urgency to like turn these kids around into like valuable commodities yeah. Um and you know that all that all the all the drama surrounding like whether or not Miguel Sidnau is lying about his age and and whether at long last uh young Carlo Batista was lying about his age uh is like, you know, it's perpetrated or, or or the you know, the drama itself, the media coverage is is generated by well, it seemed to be generated by Rene Gallo, who yeah, as a pirate scout. Yeah, and, like, interesting
1: that the pirates were the villain of this movie. <laughs> he's the dirt... Like, listen,
0: do you know... Did you do any research on an Agaio? Oh, no, I didn't, separate from the movie. So they fired him, the pirates did, in 2017... Right. ...for take, taking kickbacks on a Mexican player. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and, like, not the least bit surprising that, like, he's the shadiest guy in the movie. Uh, and yeah. it's just, like, you know, angling... The press and, and angling like the people who are responsible for developing uh, young uh, Dominican baseball players so that he can get a deal.
1: Um, yeah, it's a real sad story that a lot of the movie surrounds, one half of the movie surrounds uh, Miguel Sano, who is now a, uh, a good player with the Twins. Right. Um, and he was a huge uh, commodity coming out. Well, let me rephrase that because I was using the imperialist language there because I'm so used to it. Um, he was he was extremely hyped uh, coming out of the Dominican Republic when he was about a touted, to turn 16. A touted uh, prospect. Yeah. Um, there was discussion about him signing the biggest bonus for a Dominican player of all time. And uh, this Pirates scout started to sow doubt about his age. And this is really common um, that um, either... There's doubt about it, or in reality, players will lie uh, about their ages um, in order to get a larger signing bonus because, right. play, you know, the teams obviously want the youngest, most talented player they can get, and they're only allowed to sign them once they turn 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, this pirate scout sowed all this doubt among the media and also among his connections in Major League Baseball, um, even yeah. to the extent that the the executives of the MLB office in the Dominican Republic. Like urged, Sano um, to sign with the Pirates and just admit that he was older than he was. It is crazy the extent to which the Major League Baseball is playing both sides of this. Yeah.
0: Like, like it's their rule, right? That like you can't sign until you're 16. Yeah. Um, and like, it, they really just like put these kids and their families in a vice, and it was like very upsetting to see. And then yeah. you know I was watching it with Gemma, uh, yeah. and, and, at the very beginning of the movie when they introduced Miguel Sano I said, "Man, he's a lot skinnier." than, like, what I know Miguel Sano to be. We watched the movie for a while, and she, Gemma said, is he still in the league? And I said, yeah, you want to see a picture? And we looked at the picture, and she was like, "He's he definitely was 16 here. Because, like, if you look at a picture yeah. of Miguel Sano now, he's like a, he's a he's full-grown... Got, he's got
1: serious man face. He's, a, he's, 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 he's something of a beef boy now, and he was, he's he was certainly, very he, lanky in this movie.
0: He filled out his frame, his, like, his face filled out. Yeah, he's got a beard. Like, he's completely, like, he's aged as a human being ought to age and it is like in retrospect and even at the time of watching the movie the fact that my first impression of like that child was like That's a child. this is not
1: yeah yeah he's 15 yeah. for most of the movie and he he looks i mean he's very strong he works very hard he's got
0: but but he's got he's got a young face for sure. he's got a he's not filled out his frame uh uh and on top of it like you know um there's like sort of a there's a period when there's a kind of a anonymity to the rumors about whether or not he's lying about his age and as as the movie progresses you get a sense that it was probably this pirate scout Rene Gaio who's responsible for it Um, but in order to sort of eliminate the rumors that he's lying they go through like a battery of tests that seem to definitively prove that he's like the age that he says he is and the fact that like they really really put it to him and like it definitely hurt his signing bonus oh which is like-
1: yeah so he ended up signing for uh, probably less than half of what he otherwise would have gotten one because just uh, these doubts and two because uh, major league baseball pushed their investigation of his age way past uh, the july 2nd date when you're first allowed to sign new prospects when teams spend most of their money right um so it ended yeah. up dramatically affecting how much money he would get and and when you look at like the big picture like
0: you know that that Like, they're also, like, putting their thumb on the scale so that everyone on down... Because Miguel Sanoa is, at that point, like, the top uh, Latin American prospect. And so, like, because his signing bonus was affected by all of this nonsense, like, so was everyone else's.
1: Yeah, there was a really interesting point early in the movie when a Cub Scout says um not a cub scout but a scout for the cubs uh (laughs) uh, mentions that the bonuses for dominican players are climbing and climbing and major league baseball is going to have to do something like that and sure enough we now uh know that major league baseball did put their thumb on the scale and severely limit the amount that baseball teams are allowed to spend on foreign players which is 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 kind of bananas and the only (laughs) justification is that they just don't want Teams spending a lot of money like they want to keep these players in this system poor so that they can continue exploiting them. Yeah, I mean, uh, it,
0: I uh, the frustrating thing is that I can't even imagine an alternate system. Like, the alternate system is paying them the money they're due, right? Right, um, or paying everyone less. I guess so. There's more money
1: to go around. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily proposing a new system. One thing I would say is uh, restrict signing until players are 18. Sure. Um, a lot of people lying about their age, and um, less now. But um, before there was their extensive identity. um train, uh, before there was extensive testing, a lot of players would use performance-enhancing drugs. Um, which is um, even worse for you when you're 15 because they want to be at peak performance at 16 because that's how you get the biggest signing bonus. Right. So I think just bumping that up like we do with American players um, would help. Yeah. Um, But it's not like American amateurs are treated all that great either. Like the the draft suppresses salaries um, in in a very similar way.
0: Yeah. I I mean, overall, there's just like a real effort made not to fairly compensate people for their labor.
1: Right. I mean, I guess it all comes back to the to the players union which tends to represent um players who have already made it, right? So they yeah. they don't have an incentive to benefit uh people who haven't already made it into baseball. Does the the minor leagues doesn't have a
0: union, does it? No.
1: And that's no. why they're paid uh right,
0: no, notably.
1: Yeah, half a peanut a day.
0: Uh it's brutal. Uh, and it's a it's a really sad reality about the sport that I really really like, uh, you might even say love. Uh, that people are are treated this way, um, and and it, but with that being said, it's it's and I mentioned this a little bit in the last episode. It's not something that I want to shy away from. Uh, I don't I don't understand a whole lot of it. I think that that's intentional. Like keeping the fans in the dark about this stuff is. It, it, it helps everyone sleep at night. It makes sure that the money keeps flowing. Um, yeah. But, you know, as as long as we have sort of an opportunity to sit down and talk about baseball every week, it's something that I want to make sure that we have our eye on and something that I want to be learning about. Yeah. Um, so but with that being said, uh, Russell Herrera, uh, we, we did make as much of an effort as we could with a relatively and sort of, as we've already demonstrated artificially uh, uh uh mysterious isn't the right word but sort of like unknown player uh and it didn't it didn't really help him that the royals weren't really a factor this season in major league baseball
1: the royals lost themselves 104 games this season is what i'm saying yeah um i mean uh, and and thank goodness for rizzo herrera that they did because he probably would not be on a better team that's a good point. That's a fair point.
0: And I do actually had
1: a, like a quick look
0: at their 40 man uh, a couple of days ago and I think that he's going to make the team again.
1: He is... was um pretty good uh, yeah. for the Royals. Um he had kind of a tumultuous year. Um he's had he's had an interesting history because he actually was um one of these players that was highlighted in, in pelotero that was relatively hyped coming out of the DR. He got a good signing bonus and when he was coming through the minor leagues, he was actually a top 100 prospect in baseball. What was his signing bonus? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, which is very good. Top 100 prospects are, are worth a lot. They're generally expected to become at least role players. Um, but it took uh, Rizal Herrera an extremely long time to even make the major leagues. He did not make the majors until this year um after spending I think nine years in the miners. Um he actually signed, I think during the same um the same signing period as um as as Sunot did. Oh really? I think so. They were both born in ninety two. Interesting. Um so I'm, I'm like Yeah, so he's been in the miners for a very long time and gradually lost a lot of stock mostly because as <laughs> the common theme with a lot of Tater Tats, no power. Right. Um but he he finally got his chance with the Reds this year and they released him after 11 games. Uh, you know what's interesting? Um I was reading about uh his Reds numbers and they're
0: like Oh man, they're like they're they're kind of in the dumpster. He was bad, but like, it was an 11 yeah. game sample. Sure. Uh in a small part though too. And I think that that like when I cuz I started to watch some more of his clips, I watched uh and we'll get into it a bit later the clip that was the subject of that athletic article I that you him linked? robbing
1: the home run or him hitting the triple, both. Right. Um. And he
0: hit that triple to a very, very deep part of uh uh, uh Minute Maid Park, um in Houston there, and and it, it got me wondering if whether his game is maybe just like more attuned to big ballparks, where he can just like
1: hit a ball to the gap and run. He is for sure a triple sitter, and he's actually said this. Um. In interviews, um, he says that he re- he repeats phrases like "Yeah, that's my game." When people ask him about um, hitting triples and his good defense, like yeah, he's, he is very intentionally going after those extra base hits more than he is the home runs. That was
0: one thing that I really noted about like all of the he and he gave like kind of an, a remarkable. This is, I think, so he was kind of like a bright point for the Royals this year.
1: Yeah, I uh, think so.
0: He, he, he had a period of a few months where he was like really playing some exciting baseball for them. He was he was very competent in his opportunities and he
1: ended up having a yeah. regular role for them.
0: So he got like a fair bit of press and every time he got press, he's like, all of his quotes seem very like driven and like kind of like he's he's got a lot of intention behind his game and like he knows what kind of player he is and he knows what he has to do to like carve out space for himself on a roster which is really exciting and like this is uh you know we've we've covered some interesting players already um i'm interested to see where he goes from here
1: Uh, yeah yeah i'm excited he's gonna be on the royals again and i agree with you there was there was one quote that he uh that even explicitly said like um you know, when he was coming through the system, he really wanted to be a top-line shortstop, but he's grown to accept um, that he's going to be a backup player, and he's going to do the best job that he can.
0: He's really, really good, and that was what what I mentioned, the, that game in Houston, which is not the game that we you know, where he hit his
1: home run. No, the game that the Royals lost to the Yankees 6-3. to three. <laughs> Yeah. We're talking no, about a, a good game. game.
0: <laughs> what? Yeah, no, we're talking about a game that the Royals actually won. Yeah. Um, one of the four. He... He robbed a home run in the bottom of the eighth, and it was a great catch, and it was like not an easy catch because it was a line drive home run off the bat of Alex Bregman. Uh, And, you know, generally when you see somebody rob a home run, it's because they're able to like track the ball off the bat and really time their jump to like an arcing fly ball. Um, But he like snapped up this line drive home run like right off the top of the fence, and it was a really nice play. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, he turned around in the top of the ninth and hit that triple, and it was like to the deepest part of center field, and, you know, I watched the clip a few times so I could kind of, like, see if I could get a glimpse of him, like, running the bases, and you really couldn't because, like, the camera's following the ball into the outfield, and by the time it even hits the cutoff man in, like, shallow center, the shortstop out there, he's, like, already standing on third. He's very fast. He, it was such a good, good, like, piece of hitting this triple that is not even what we're supposed to be talking about.
1: Right, right. But he um he for sure, like, he has the look of a very competent baseball player. And I wonder if they're gonna try and get him to change his swing or anything. Um hmm. because I think he's kind of I'm gonna put old fashioned in air quotes, like the kind of baseball player that there were a lot more of just a few years ago who's really focused on um hitting singles, doubles, triples. Um he's got a yeah. nice swing he doesn't it's not like he can't hit it's he's just, a lefty he's a switch hitter actually and I'm confident oh. about this <laughs> okay <good. laughs> I saw him I watched the home run and I was like oh he's a lefty and I was like wait 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 gotta double check that <laughs> I triple checked I was like yeah pretty sure he's a lefty and then I went to his baseball reference page and it said switch hitter and I said ah not even a lefty See, we're learning I think he's actually we're right-handed learning. in the outfield um, which makes sense because he's a shortstop too um, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, oh. like he—he's he's well, got a really aesthetically pleasing game, right? Which sounds kind of trite, but how, he's great at—he's a great defender. Um, and he—he he loves to smack those triples.
0: I don't know how much the Royals have shifted their game, like their their like team philosophy since 2014. But didn't they kind of make it to the World Series in 2014 on that like slap hitting, like with um. Alcides Escobar and oh heck they had that. Who was on that team? Uh, Lorenzo they had Kane. like a, they had like a what? Lorenzo Cain. That that's that's yeah. more of that's more of a big bat. They had. I feel like yeah. that that a lot of their game in fourteen was predicated on uh, slapping the ball and running.
1: It's true. I think they were kind of less gasp of that kind of uh, yeah. play. Well, and that a was before ball. the ball change. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like the game has changed pretty dramatically since the baseball changed uh, to in an effort to suppress offense and really encouraged um, home runs because players are unable to string singles together.
0: Yeah, I mean, but at any rate, like there's a lot of room for him to develop in sort of a low pressure situation for now. Uh, yeah. And I think I think he's an exciting
1: player. That's that's uh, what and... I'm saying about the aesthetics of him. Like he's just it. Again, it sounds very trite, but he's he's electric out there. Like he really oh, no. looks nice. And that's the impression that I think he gave his teammates, too, who, like... They were in love uh, with him. They loved this man. That game in
0: that game in June was, like, a week after they signed him, and, like, Danny Duffy was, like, over the moon about it. Yeah. But you could read in, in Ned Yost's quotes that he was a little bit more trepidatious. He was like,
1: oh, yeah, he seems good. I don't know. It's I don't I really know him. He seems like he's a pretty bad ball player, but he did a good job. But Danny Duffy's just like, yeah, you better buy all those Herrera jerseys right now because he's an all-star for 10 years
0: that's sick though i i don't know I mean, that's it's, cool it's it's you know it's smoke but it's it's exciting to it it the thing that i felt and that, that's why i wrote what i did about how he's a folk hero yeah uh what does that it, mean big, i just mean that like he made a big impact in a short amount of time uh in a team that you know is kind of wanting for those kind of feel-good stories uh uh and and, and it, it's it's nice to see that and and I was i in the back of my mind, I was a little bit worried about talking about a team that lost a hundred games that there wasn't going to be much there. yeah, um, but he came in and and it seems like he made an impact and that's really cool.
1: yeah. and like I said, he he stuck around for the rest of the season. he uh, uh, played regularly in the outfield. he also made at least a couple st- uh, starts in the infield, which is his uh, natural position. um and he hit pretty good. He only hit the one home run. Yeah, let's watch that dinger. Oh yeah, I forgot we do that.
0: We do, and also we talked way more about his game in in uh, Houston than we talked about this one.
1: Right, as a reminder, uh, Rosal Herrera hit this home run in the top of the Over, eighth um, inning on the first pitch from David Robertson. Um, a month, a full month after the game that we
0: have heaped uh, praise upon him for. Yeah, and that was just the fourth home run
1: that Robertson has given up. But there's another one. Could it be? It is home run number one for Roselle Herrera. And Yankee fans throw that ball back onto the field and the Royals want it. So the ball boy is about to put it in a bucket with a bunch of other baseballs. And so it may be a mystery as to which one
0: is Herrera's first home oh, run no. ball. He just reached in and pulled it out. The umpire, or bitch. Yeah, they got it. Rosie. Nice stroke. Congratulations. You got a
1: home run, Paige. Hip, hip, Herrera. Hip, hip, Herrera. I do Indeed. want to talk about hip, hip, Herrera. So <laughs> I, I two things what? from the end of that clip where they just kind of like... The home run has happened, and they need more things to say. One, the announcer says he's got a home run page. Um, he does, <laughs> which he is has not a, page a thing for that I'm aware now. of. What is a home run page, Tim? Well, in my experience, a home run page
0: is, uh, you know, every player has a, a a full book, yeah, written about them, right,
1: um,
0: with just and, one page
1: dedicated to their one home run. Well, you know, you
0: only add, a you add one page for every achievement uh, that they accomplish. So, like, you get a page for a hit and you get a page for your first, like, put out and a page for your first assist. And, like, literally every achievement that you make as a major league baseball player is a new page in this book, right? So, like, Barry Bonds' book is massive. Did
1: he get it's one a for every book. home run?
0: Yeah, it's a literal book, too. Right. Um, and then that, that he... happens
1: for every baseball player.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. So, okay, uh, that's and...
1: interesting. Oh, go ahead.
0: And Russell Herrera, uh, so he's got a page for like, oh, he played in his first game, he got hit hit a triple. triple, He
1: robbed a home run. He gets a page for all those.
0: And now he gets one page, and if he hits another home run, then he'll get another page. Okay, so uh, he
1: secured himself a home run page. That was different from what I thought. I thought that the announcer was referring to how um, every time you hit a home run, uh, you get a beep on your pager. Someone around the world calls you um, to say, to 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 announce that, hey, you just hit a home run in case you missed it and uh you get a page about that
0: yeah um okay hip hip herrera <laughs> hip hip herrera um i was just gonna say that the yankees like every bit the villain uh in this clip a because the ball boy does that jerky thing where he, you know the ball trick it's only funny if someone on your team does it if someone on the other team does it that's garbage and it's not nice and i'm mad at the yankees about that that ball boy should be fired um, yeah, like
1: yeah, the guy down the, the foul line. Yeah. so yeah, to describe what happens, um, the Yankees fans, after catching the home run ball, throw the ball back out of disgust. Um, did they throw it out of disgust, or did they actually? I'm know not what sure was if they threw on. it out of disgust, or if they knew it was his first home run, or if it just bounced back. Um, it was it was it was definitely a wall scraper to right field in Yankee Stadium. So it was not a booming home run. Um, yeah. he hit it good. Like it looked nice because he looks nice playing baseball, but he did not hit it all that far. Um, no,
0: and I think, I think that uh, this this it was a real slapper of. It wasn't like a a momentary like glimpse of Rosal Herrera's great power. No, it, it, it
1: looked like it would have been a double in twenty nine other parks, right? Or an out even. Yeah, possibly. Um, so they throw it back, and uh, the ball by who collects the balls pretends like he's going to put it in a bucket of baseballs because he does not realize that it's Rosal yeah. Herrera's first run. A home run, but in fact he he does know that and sticks it in his pocket um, to play a, a dirty little trick on Herrera and the Royals. It stinks. It
0: stinks because it's not you know you can't laugh about it in the clubhouse after if you're Russell Herrera. All you can do is say what a jerk that guy who's not even a baseball player is. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's his first home run ball. That's actually like very exciting, and I think that that was not very nice. And also the pitcher was Dave Robertson who. If he wasn't established as a jerk, then uh, is certainly established as a jerk at this point. Why? Do you don't know about this? No. Do, do you know about the thing where uh, you know you get a little bit of, you get a pile of extra money if you make the postseason, um, and the players vote on how that money is allocated to like um, uh, players lower down on the forty man roster and like team support staff and stuff like that and so there's this really good story about Ricky Henderson like you can vote how much of a share each individual ought to get and there's this great story about Ricky Henderson who player by player yeah or like individual all the players who are like on the 25 man roster make a decision together like unilaterally about how much money everyone should receive from the postseason oh right
1: but each of them gets the same amount if they're on the 25 man yeah okay go ahead
0: yeah I know the 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 allocated Money is like a sort of a goodwill offering to the support staff and the players who wouldn't otherwise right. get In that
1: Right. In theory, money. the twenty-five man players could keep all the money, but they they choose to spread it a lot, around a little bit out of gratefulness and tradition. Right.
0: So there's a great story about how Ricky Henderson would always vote to give people full shares of that, like as as much money as he possibly could. Yeah. And he would always say, like, you never know, like, what that money could do for a person's life. It's very nice. Uh, Dave Robertson. Uh, like got into some like conflama with the Yankees clubhouse about like, I think it was like even other players where like he didn't want to be giving them uh, as much money and like they were kind of mad about it. And like it, it spilled over into uh, his like actual contract negotiation with the Yankees. <laughs> And I think I think he's no longer a Yankee or like is on the outs with the Yankees because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect to talk about this, so I, I'm not fully prepared yeah. for it. But I'll 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 grab a link and, and throw it wherever it needs to be thrown. Right. So We can re- um, read about what a jerk right. David Robertson
1: is. And you're mad at David Robertson in this clip because he's mad he gave up the home
0: run. No, I I felt that he's like when I watched the clip today, I said, oh, that's the bad guy, and he uh, lost, and I'm very happy that he lost because he's
1: a jerk. He lost on that pitch. <laughs> you yeah, right. the Yankees the did game win the and game and he, game he struck out the side after giving up that home run, I think
0: Yeah, but <laughs> for 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 that for the
1: duration of that highlight David I Robertson was, was mad, and I was mad at him It's very easy to root against uh, the Yankees, I'll say that Generally, yeah, but they also got Andrew McCutcheon
0: this year mm. um, So I was rooting for them for a while Yeah, that's right I, Because I owe him a life debt um, Yeah, he actually pulled you from a burning car last week th- that's true. And like, that was in addition to the like three or four burning cars that he pulled me from, from 2013 through 2015. Which is
1: super nice of him, but I do wonder how you keep getting yourself in all these burning cars. You would think I'd be able to avoid it. And, and, and every time
0: it happens to me and Andrew McCutcheon comes to my aid, I keep, I always expect him to say like, Hey man, you got to figure this, this whole thing out. But he He's so, he never he's does. so he's, gracious. He's so cool about it. <laughs> and like, so that's why I was rooting for the Yankees. Right. Um, and so it did, when I was watching this clip, it felt good to, like, it felt like the universe was in order again, that I was like, yeah, I hate the Yankees. Yeah, and, that's nice. And they only, they only lost by, th- or they only won by three runs because of my friend Russell Herrera. Yeah,
1: go Rosie. It was also cool that he gave it up on the first pitch of the inning. Uh, that's always particularly humiliating, I think, because you feel like that's a freebie.
0: Completely, yeah. And I, you know, I have a kind of a thing about um, that. I I have more of a thing about it when it's like a leadoff, like first inning kind of home run. Right.
1: Those are very fun. Uh,
0: I have a distinct memory. I think of, I want to say like Chipper Jones doing that to the Pirates when I was at a game one time mm-hmm. in PNC Park and I saw it and I thought, I didn't even think you could do that. <laughs> didn't think that was allowed. Well, not that it wasn't allowed. No, but, but just it's like, like yeah. It's, it seems exceedingly rare because like, you know, you take a pitch,
1: like it's one pitch. Right. It's the first pitch of the game. Um, yeah. You just kind of. You let it happen. You let things go. Um, right. Again, I'm going to pull another Sam Miller article out here. But he talked. He wrote an article one time about the first pitch of the season, um, and how many of them are fastballs. And it's like uh, it's a it's a very large percentage, right? Because because right. it's just like it's the first pitch of the season. You just got to definitely get a standard pitch in there. Uh, it just yeah, kind of makes Ian, sense. Ian Hap,
0: the first home run of the season of 2018. I remember this very clearly. Because I was watching the home runs very closely this season, uh, the first home run of the season was on the first pitch of the first game uh, of the Cubs versus shouldn't be allowed of the, versus the Marlins. Ian Happ hit it off of uh, Jose Ureña. Urania, I forget Urania. I think yeah, or, Urania. Yeah, uh, shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, it, should should it, be like a, a gentleman's agreement that we don't swing at the. first I
1: think pitch. it has traditionally been a gentleman's agreement. Um, that's. <laughs> gotten a little bit lost as players become let's say smarter <laughs> right and not so beholden to baseball tradition. yeah for sure um but Rosal herrera did it in the first pitch of uh the eighth inning in a meaningless game in july so yeah but to uh, me that <laughs> i i don't i don't think that breaks you know as many unwritten rules i mean maybe someone no, will beat I'm him very... up later or beat him with a baseball I don't think that anyone should... If
0: anyone lays a finger on Ruzel Herrera, I'll come for them. I oh, will. yeah. I love him. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: not oh, sure Oh, yeah, obviously.
0: <laughs> we protect our own here under the Tater Tots.
1: We love and protect all the Tater Tots with almost no exceptions. Uh, except for Sam Travis. Except for that one exception.
0: Well, with that being said, that's going to do it, I guess, for this week of Tater Tots. Yeah. Uh, uh, as always, you can donate to Baseball for All. Please do that. Um because uh, the world is a very scary place, and I think it becomes a little bit less scary when you help people do what they love, like play baseball. Uh, what else do we
1: usually say at this point? Uh, we say, coming up next week, we're going to do Jeff Mathis, who we talked about yeah, on this episode. episode. <laughs> we talked about him on another episode. We're excited for Jeff Mathis and his new Rangers team.
0: Absolutely. Um, and other than that, uh, have a happy week
1: another hanukkah hey. episode have another happy hanukkah oh that's
0: right that's the the beauty of hanukkah is that we can get a few we have of them out two
1: <laughs> two hanukkah specials last week was our was our big hanukkah special sure we didn't mention hanukkah but everyone knows uh, that's well the now we've mentioned it, was, it several it was times double length we thought we only had enough content to talk for one minute but we ended up talking for 80 right happy hanukkah everybody <laughs> that was a hanukkah joke and i didn't even
0: <laughs> it's funny thank you Okay, uh that's gonna do it this week. Happy Hanukkah, uh happy Tater Tots, happy trails to you, partner. Uh I'm Tim. I'm Duncan. Uh goodbye.
1: See ya. And meanwhile after too much, and
0: also from running too fast, you'd run out of gas. <laughs> not